You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great show for you today. We're going to break down all four divisional playoff games this past weekend. I've got so many news and notes from all four games, so let's just get going uh, in a moment. All right, so here we're at. Final four is set in the NFL. First game on next Sunday is San Francisco at Philadelphia, and the second game is the Bengals at KC. So how did we get there? Let's go in order. But before we get to the four games, um, a couple of the coaching stats that I've loved to throw out this playoff season, one of them, we have to wait yet another year. Um, There has been now there will be 57 Super Bowls played after this season, and the streak still continues. There has still not been an NFL coach that has won a Super Bowl with two different teams in the NFL. Because we only had two entering this postseason that had a chance to do it, and both of them were eliminated this past weekend. Doug Peterson, who won one with Philly, he's out of the playoffs. Mike McCarthy, who won one with Green Bay, is out of the playoffs. So 57 seasons, no coach has ever won it with two different teams. The other stat that I've always liked, you've heard me say, is that since 1980, only two NFL head coaches won a Super Bowl with that team, and it was outside of year five. And that was Bill Cowher in his 13th season with the Steelers and Andy Reid in his seventh season with the Kansas City Chiefs. We had two coaches entering this postseason that had a chance to join that club and make it three times in the last 43 seasons where a coach won a Super Bowl outside of his fifth year with that team. And Sean McDermott is one of them because he's in his sixth season with the Bills, but he is now out of the playoffs. Kyle Shanahan is left. If the Niners win it, that'll be coach number three for the last team and, uh, you know, to add it to coaches to do it in the last 30, uh, 43 years. So we'll see what happens with that. But I will say overall, this final four, I don't think you can argue it. This is probably the four best teams in the NFL. Not only the four best teams, but also playing the best. You can't really argue with it. Cincinnati has won 10 in a row going into the AFC Championship. Kansas City has won 10 of 11 in their one loss to Cincinnati by a field goal. The San Francisco 49ers have won 12 in a row, and they play Philly, who had the best record in football, tied for the best record with Kansas City, but 14-3. and And they probably would have had a 15-2 and or 16-1 and season if Jalen Hurts doesn't miss two games. So I don't think anybody can complain. Obviously, if you're a fan of the Cowboys or the Bills or the Jaguars or the Giants, yeah, you're disappointed. But these are the four best teams in football. And as I told you at the end uh, last week, like I said, I don't know who's going to win these games, but I, I was definitely leaning towards Cincinnati because I just thought the Bills, something was off with them and something was off with Josh Allen. But We'll get into all that. Um, first off, let's talk about the first game on Saturday, which was Kansas City and Jacksonville. The biggest story here, Patrick Mahomes with the high ankle sprain. <sighs> this is going to be a problem. Now, I know he came back in the second half, but Patrick Mahomes, without the threat of running and losing a little bit of elusiveness in the pocket, is a completely different animal. Not to mention, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the Cincinnati Bengals have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs the last three times they've played them. 
one, including last year's AFC Championship in Kansas City, where next week's game is. So to sit here and say that, oh, there's no way they can beat them twice in a row. Well, they've beaten them three times in a row. And they are Kansas City's kryptonite right now. They really are. Because for whatever reason, they play Kansas City better than anybody else. Patrick Mahomes is 1-3 in his career against the Bengals, having lost uh, the last three he's played against them. He lost to them last year um, in the regular season. And that game was, I believe, 27, oh, thir- uh, 30, uh, 34 to 30, no, 27-24. Then he lost to him in the AFC Championship at home, 27-24. And then he lost to him in Cincinnati this year during the regular season, 34-31. So, hey, to say that Cincinnati can't win, look, Cincinnati literally just went into Buffalo in the worst weather possible and pummeled them. And it wasn't even close. So to say they can't go into Kansas city, a place they won last year. And I don't care what weather you give me in Kansas city. It's not going to be any worse than what they did yesterday. So, um, I, I, that's going to be a tough one. And this is not a hundred percent Patrick Mahomes. Now a 70% Patrick Mahomes is still better than hundred percent Chad Henney. So he's going to play. There's no way Patrick Mahomes doesn't play this game, but, this is not the Patrick Mahomes that we're going to be used to. A high ankle sprain is not going to be all that much better in six days from now. It's probably actually going to be worse. He is going to be a pocket passer, and that changes the whole complexion of that game. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself already talking about Kansas City and Cincinnati. As for Saturday's game, I mean, Jacksonville lost that game when Mahomes went out. Like, that was where they blew it. When Mahomes went out of that game, Chad Hetty led a 98-yard touchdown drive. You can't do that. You have to. That was the only drive that Jacksonville didn't have to face Patrick Mahomes, and they gave up a 98-yard touchdown drive. And Chad Henney had five completions on that drive, one for six yards, one for eight yards, one for four yards, another one for four yards, and a one-yard touchdown pass. But they just marched down the field on you, and that is unacceptable. And look at that. Oh, you lost by a touchdown. Not good. Um, Before the Cincinnati uh, game, well, I just think we're looking at a very, very close game. It immediately opened up at Kansas City minus three for gambling purposes, and it was bet down to a pick. I think it even might have gotten to Cincinnati minus one. Now it's back to Kansas City minus one. So the money's kind of all over the board right now. I mean, this is – when you're dealing with a one-point spread, you're basically – it's hard enough to pick games. To say something's going to land right on one is almost impossible. So basically, you just have to pick your winner on this game. I mean, yeah, you could take Cincinnati plus one, but I mean, it's not like that's probably going to come into play. Could it? Yes, of course. Games do land on one, but very, very hard um, to predict that. It's basically just who do you think is going to win? And gosh. Cincinnati is playing as well as anybody, and that beatdown they put on Buffalo yesterday was actually worse than you probably thought because, honestly, it wasn't even close. So, again, if they play like that, could they beat Kansas City? Absolutely, and they'll beat them handily. But you never know. Maybe next week they get up to a rougher start. You just don't know. They got off to such a great start in Buffalo. But Kansas City, Jacksonville, Jacksonville had their chances, but 
when Mahomes went out of the game, they did not take advantage of it. In fact, they fell behind and gave up a 98-yard touchdown, and that absolutely killed them. The late game on Saturday night, not much to say about that one. A complete Philly romp, 38-7. Jalen Hurts, so much for him being hurt because he was awesome, and the Giants were just out of it from the very beginning. There's literally nothing to talk about when it comes to that game. I mean, what are we going to break down here? It's not like Giants had a chance and – couple things didn't go their way I mean they were dominated from pillar to post first quarter to fourth quarter that was an absolute route so I, I hate to tell you giant fans but you were never in that game I think you know that by now at least I hope you do but there's always next year and you had some progress it looks like you got a good coach Daniel Jones had a good year but did he have a good year because it was a contract year? I guess we won't know until next year and his few seasons going forward and if you re-sign him. Um, but positives for the Giants? Absolutely. But to get embarrassed the way they did and to lose to the Eagles three times this year, two of them in absolute blowouts, probably shows more where you're at right now. Um, you need to upgrade because right now you are not going to beat the Eagles. And I don't know if you can beat the Cowboys because they beat you twice this year too. So good year, finished over 500, finally made the playoffs, first time in Daniel Jones' career, but you're not there yet. On to the Bengals and Bills game. Like I said, this was a complete domination from beginning to end by the Cincinnati Bengals. They scored touchdowns on their first two possessions, and then it was just – that's all she wrote after that. I mean, at Buffalo just never put up too much of a fight. They never got within double digits. I don't believe they ever cut it to. Yeah, they cut it to fourteen seven. It was and it was seventeen seven and a half. So they did cut it to seven uh, in the second quarter. But after that, they never got back under ten. Once they fell behind, um, seventeen to seven. You know. Uh, you look at the stats on this game. I mean, Cincinnati absolutely dominated, thirty to eighteen on first downs. Um, you know, they had over a hundred yards more than them, but Buffalo got a lot of junk yards on the last drive. Uh, they had one hundred and seventy-two rushing yards to sixty-three. You know, they were. Let's see. You know, they they ran more plays than them. It was just. They had way less penalties. Buffalo had eight penalties for 60 yards. Like, it just, the time of possession was 33 minutes to 26 minutes. Like, they just, you watched that game, and at no point did you ever think Cincinnati was losing when they went up 14-0. Like, Buffalo just did not have it yesterday. And it was interesting because Josh Allen, after the game, said this, we just didn't have it today. And it's like, okay, I mean, obviously, that was, he's not telling a lie, no, they didn't. But you hear that after the game and you're like, man, I wish I would have known this before the game that you weren't going to have it. You know? Yeah, they didn't have it. And that's why it's so hard to predict. Like, why didn't the Buffalo Bills have it? Tamar Hamlin was at the game. Like, this was going to be the inspiration. And they were terrible from the get-go. On their home field. In their weather. Not that Cincinnati hasn't played in cold before, but you know what I'm saying. Everyone's like, oh, Buffalo playing on their home field. Look at the weather. It's snowing right up their alley. Josh Allen built for the snow. And they got manhandled for four quarters. It wasn't close. Apologies to Jason Tardick, who was literally having a heart attack during the game. You know, I sorry, your team just wasn't up to snuff yesterday. And um, 
Cincinnati dominated them. Speaking of Jamar Hamlin, awesome that he was at the game, but I think for television purposes, they really missed the boat on that one. Number one, he was up in a suite, which I'm fine with. If that's where he has to be, that's where he has to be. But CBS, I think they could have organized something a little bit better because when the stadium announced Damar Hamlin, it was during a commercial break. So we got to see like the replay of the stadium announcer saying, hey, everyone, look up in the suite. There's Damar. And the weather didn't help because it was totally snowing at that point, and we couldn't even see his face. Like It just... We all know that could have been a great television moment, and it just got lost because they did it during the commercial break. And I'm surprised that CBS didn't plan something ahead of time and saying, hey, if we're going to show Jamar, can we do it to where we have a live shot of it? And we're listening to the PA announcer at the stadium say, hey, Jamar is in a suite, and everyone pay your respects and, you know, get on your feet and clap for Jamar Hamlin, who's in here with us today. It just, it lost its TV moment. Um, I, I had this discussion with somebody in regards to, I hate, we all talk about it every year. What's a catch? What isn't a catch in the NFL? It's so confusing. I'm sorry, but Jamar Chase's touchdown in the back of the end zone that got called a non-touchdown. I know why it was called not a touchdown. I get it. I know the rule. If you go to the ground out of bounds, you have to maintain possession of the ball. I get it. He didn't. However, in my eyes, he didn't lose the ball completely like it fell to the ground, or nor did it even touch the ground at any point. He was just bobbling within his stomach. I'm sorry. To me, that's a catch. He had three feet down. He got three feet down before he fell to the ground, and anytime you fall to the ground, the ball is going to move. And I get it got out of his possession, but it never got away from him. And it never hit the ground at any point. To me, that's a catch. Because as the announcer said, if that happens in the middle of the field, it's a catch. So you literally are you literally are telling somebody it's a catch if it happens in the field of play. But if it's on the sideline, no. My thing is, I think, I don't care how many times you're bobbling it. If you're bobbling the ball and you possess it at some point as you're falling out of bounds or hitting the ground and the ball never touches the ground, nor you lose it out of bounds, that should be a catch. Like when you caught it, when Jamar Chase caught that ball in the back of the end zone, he got three feet down, his left, his right, then his left. And then he fell to the ground and the ball got, you know, bobbled around. That's a touchdown to me. I'm sorry. It's a catch. It's a touchdown. If he did that on the sideline, I would have said it's a sideline catch. It's just a bad rule. I don't think the NFL is either going to fix it either. It's just, it's a bad rule. I'm sorry. If it's a catch in the middle of the field, it should be a catch on the sidelines. And thank God it didn't end up hurting the Bengals, because they dominated the game from beginning to end. But, you know, I mean, this was a this was a um, a beatdown by the Bengals and a beatdown to where Buffalo only had the ball eight times the whole game. The average NFL team gets 12 possessions a game. They only had eight because this Bengals – all five of their scoring drives were huge, and they took up time. First drive of the game went 79 yards for three minutes and 20 seconds. Then they got a touchdown on their second drive of the game that took 72 yards and six minutes and 15 seconds. Then they got a field goal that took them 65 yards and five and a half minutes. Then they had a 75-yard touchdown drive in the third quarter with that took six minutes and 25 seconds off the clock. And then another 61-yard drive for three minutes and 40 seconds. 
So, Bills fans, I know you're disappointed that you lost, but you can't complain at all. There's nothing you could possibly complain at with yesterday's loss whatsoever. You didn't turn the ball over outside of the, you know, the interception with one minute left where it didn't matter. You never gave them a short field. You never did something stupid. You just couldn't execute on offense, and every time Cincinnati got the ball, they churned clock and just drove and did whatever they wanted to you. Had 172 yards rushing, whatever it was, and Joe Burrow completed as many passes as he wanted. Like, There's nothing you can say, Bills fans. You got completely blown out yesterday, and you put up 10 points in a home game in a playoff, you're not going to win, period. But Cincinnati, like I said, look at those drives. Three and a half minutes, six minutes, 15 seconds, five and a half minutes, six and a half minutes, three minutes and 40 seconds. Those were the drives of their 27 points. That's almost 30 minutes right there if you add all that up. That's, yeah, that's nine and 11, 20, about 24 minutes. That's almost half of the game time on your drives. And that just, that doesn't bode well for <laughs> um, the Bills. And you saw your offense yesterday. It was pathetic. You couldn't do anything. So, anyway, um, huge game by the Bengals. We're getting a repeat of the AFC Championship where the road team won last year, and now they're on the road again in KC. Let's see if they can do it two years in a row. Cowboys, Niners. Niners win at 19-12. The streak continues for the Dallas Cowboys. 27 straight years. They have not gotten to the NFC Championship. And also 27 years in a row where they have not ever won two games in a playoff postseason. They are now 5-16 and 16 in every postseason appearance in the last 27 years and never won more than one game in the playoffs. And, yeah, Dallas fans, you can't be happy, but once again, you put up 12 points in a playoff game, you're probably not going to win. You throw two interceptions that are horrible interceptions, one of them in the red zone right before halftime when you were getting the ball to start the second half, which led to a field goal by the other team, you're probably not going to win. You only kick four field goals in a playoff game, you're probably not going to win. Like, again, you can't complain if you're the Cowboys because you didn't do enough to win yesterday. If you could have, if I could have sat here at the end of the game and said, no, they did enough to win. They just, San Francisco did, you know, one better and kicked a field goal at the end and they won the game. You know, no, it just, you didn't do enough to win the game. And I just think, again, another team that put together these drives that absolutely killed your time with the ball. San Francisco had an eight-minute drive in the fourth quarter. From the 11-minute mark to the three-minute mark, San Francisco had the ball and ended up kicking a field goal to go up 19-12. So they had a seven-point lead with three minutes left, and the Dallas Cowboys on that drive, the most important drive of the season to where they needed a touchdown to tie the game or else they were probably going to lose, Dak should have thrown a pick six on the first play. The linebacker flat out just dropped it in his hands, and he was 10 yards away from the end zone. The next play, Michael Gallup beat his defender by two or three yards, and Dak had a horrible throw, underthrew it, incomplete. Third down, they went sack. They got no yards. On the biggest drive of the year, they went three and out and got no yards. So they had to kick away, and... They had three timeouts left, so it made all the sense in the world. You can't, you're giving up the game if you if you go for it on fourth and ten from your own ten and don't get it. You basically are saying, I'm putting my whole season on fourth and ten from my own ten when we just had three plays and got zero yards. It was the smart play to kick 
and use your timeouts. Problem is they couldn't stop them. You know, one thing I want to talk about, especially in, in that particular instance, I know people who watch football and maybe you, if you're not a diehard and you're not into announcing and you're not into analysis and stuff like that, you probably think the announcers talk too much or they shut up and they, sh- they should shut up more often or you hate this announcer because he says something bad about your team or whatever. I'm here to tell you right now, for those that may be a novice and maybe haven't listened to Greg Olson, Greg Olson is an excellent analyst. He's not good. He's great. The amount of times Greg Olson says something during a game, the whole point when you listen to analysts, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, the whole point of their job is to tell you something that maybe you didn't know about or maybe you didn't see. And you sit there and you listen and you think, wow, I learned something by listening to him. I learned three or five things a game listening to Greg Olson, and he doesn't mansplain things at all, even being a former player. He's not all geeked out on X's and O's stuff. Occasionally, he'll he'll throw out terminology that maybe the average fan doesn't know about, but the things that he says and situationally when he talks about things, he is excellent. I'm so glad Fox got the Super Bowl this year, and we're going to see him on the Super Bowl coverage, but just, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it more when I cover the Super Bowl, um, but... He is an excellent, excellent analyst for those that don't care or don't pay attention. Just know that he is. And um, perfect example was him saying the Cowboys, when they went three and out there after Dak got sacked, he got sacked with about two and a half minutes left. They had all three timeouts. And exactly what he was saying was what I was thinking. You need to kick this ball right away. Make San Francisco catch the ball with like 220, 225 left because then you've got the two-minute warning and your three timeouts. And Dallas just lollygagged onto the field, took their time to punt it, and San Francisco caught the punt with 205 left. So it just, stuff like that, pointing out stuff like that, the average fan is never going to get that. But I thought it was excellent analysis uh, on his end. If Dallas somehow would have tied the game at the very end, well, if they would have got a touchdown, it would have been really curious to see if they sent Brett Maher out, <laughs> Brett Maher out to see if he was going to get the extra point or Mike McCarthy was going to go for two. But if for whatever reason they did, you could have blamed it on Elijah Mitchell getting that first down and stepping out of bounds. They had two timeouts left with a minute 47. If he stays in bounds and just slides, that game was over and Dallas wouldn't have gotten the ball back with, you know, 40 seconds and, and no timeout. Still, they needed it. They, it wasn't going to matter. You know, Dallas needed 80 yards, more than that, 90 yards and 40 seconds and zero timeouts. Yeah, they probably weren't going to get a touchdown no matter what. And that last play was kind of laughable. But (laughs) uh, if Elijah Mitchell just slides after he gets that first down when they had the second and nine run, Dallas never even gets the ball back. And San Francisco would have won taking a knee. But thank God it didn't happen for him or else San Francisco fans would have gone crazy. But... I think Dallas lost the game on, I think the biggest turning point in the game was, game was 6-6, Dallas Cowboys were under two minutes to go in San Francisco territory in the red zone, and Zach threw a horrible interception. And you could say, well, it got deflected. Yeah, it got deflected off the first San Francisco guy and landed in the linebacker's arms. First San Francisco guy should have intercepted. You're going in to take a 9-6 lead, possibly 13-6 lead into half. Instead, you go into half down 9-6. That's demoralizing, especially knowing you had the ball to start the second half. What if the Cowboys go up 9-6 there or even 13-6 and start the second half and march down the field and score, either a field goal or a touchdown? They could have been up 10 or 14. 
if things go differently there. But horrible interception by Zach, by Dak there, and I think that killed them. And they like said, you you know, you left, you you got four field goals in a playoff game. You know, what are you going to do? Um, San Francisco again, another team that churned out. Just like I said, that the Bengals dominated the Bills with these long drives that just kept the ball out of the Bills' hands. Same thing with San Francisco in the second half. The first possession, they went three and out. Then they went 10 plays, 91 yards, touchdown, six minutes long. They went up 16-9. And then the very next possession, 13 plays, 64 yards, took eight minutes of time. They went up 19-12. And you gave the ball back to Dallas, three minutes left, down a touchdown. And they went three, and Dallas went three and out. Like, and you know, we we talk all the time about, you know, well, there's always next year, and there's plenty of time. It's just like, look, I don't know if people saw this and they saw this tweet, and I'll I'll pull it up, but Dallas Cowboys have a lot of unrestricted free agents, so you can talk about. Well, it's not like you're going to run back the same exact team next year. This team was good enough. They lost by a touchdown on the road to the second best team in the NFC. You stuck with them all game. Your defense kind of wore down in the third and fourth quarter, but you only lost by seven. You had the ball with a chance to tie the game and possibly go into overtime, and you didn't do it. But it's not like you got you you know you pulled a Giants and lost you know thirty eight seven. But Donovan Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, Leighton Vander Esch, Connor McGovern, Anthony Brown, Cooper Rush, Anthony Barr, Dante Fowler, Noah Brown, T Y Hilton, Jonathan Hankins, all unrestricted free agents. Like, what are you going to do? You think all those guys are coming back? Not a chance. So next year, you've got to, you know, you got to take advantage. And, um, you know, we'll, we, we'll spend more time talking about Dak. But um, um, it's a tough loss for them. Like I said, I don't care if the Cowboys win or lose. On Friday, what did I tell you my three-team 10-point teaser was for the weekend? Not only did it cover a 10-point teaser, it covered a three-team parlay as well. I said I liked the Kansas City under. I said I liked the Bengals, and I said I liked the Dallas under. And all three hit in a 10-point tease. All three hit in a six, six-and-a-half, seven-point tease, and all three hit without teasing any of them uh, because the Kansas City game was 27-20. That went under 52. The Bengals, plus five-and-a-half. They won outright. And the Niner game was 31 total points, and that total was 47 at kickoff. So, uh, good weekend for me. I'm happy. Um, and, you know, heading into the NFC Championship game, we haven't really previewed that, but just a small thing that uh, I've already heard about. It's been online. Uh, Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts played each other in college in 2019 in a 42-41 to Oklahoma over Ohio State shootout, and Brock Purdy threw five touchdowns. I'm sure you're going to hear about that a lot this week. Just remember, that has absolutely nothing to do with this upcoming Sunday's game. It really doesn't. I mean, great. I remember that game. It was a shootout. Jalen Hurts threw for three touchdowns. Like I said, Purdy threw for five. But that has absolutely nothing to do with Niners-Eagles on Sunday afternoon. So just keep that in mind because you're going to hear a lot about this shootout that Purdy and Hurts had in college back in 2019. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We have all week to talk about the matchups even more, break down maybe even some of these games a little bit further uh, tomorrow. And But, yeah, we're headed for the conference championship Sunday. It's always a big day in NFL season. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Uh, hopefully you give it a five-star review. 
And as we get started with this Sports Daily, like I said, you know, it's going to be there every day. So thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.